Exactly. Hello, I'm Danny Duran, and this is the Infinite Jigsaw podcast, a place for honest conversation, discovery, and a genuine incentive to improve sense making. In this series of 10 30 minute episodes, I asked my friend Carver Mike to explain the 10 precepts of foundationism. Mike is the founder of the Foundationist Society, a political movement of people who build things for a living, whose beliefs fall outside the boundaries of traditional left right politics a place for those who are conservative on some issues and liberal about others, a secular society, but friendly to believers, forward-looking, although respectful of tradition. With an open-eyed love for country, whilst acknowledging the existence of injustice and the need for change, the society are not revolutionaries and don't believe in burning down the house in order to fix what's wrong with it. Foundationists believe in free markets, but only as vital engines for wealth creation, and not as the blueprints for just and functional societies. And they also believe in borders and the defense of borders, but with an understanding that the most important borders are in fact invisible and can only be defended by truth, plainly spoken, a love of order, a hatred of injustice, and a courageous trust in one's fellow citizens. Foundationists believe in the individual, but only to the extent that the individual is willing to give up petty tribalism and adopt the responsibilities and civic virtues of citizenship. They believe in the state, but only as a vessel for the sacred fire that burns in the individual. And they have gratitude for the civilization handed down to us by our predecessors. It is the foundation on which we build the future. When in past episodes exploring the 10 precepts of foundationism, I asked Mike about the first seven, which are see deeply, listen closely, reason honestly, speak clearly, act bravely, deny the self and defend the individual. And to initiate this last discussion, I asked Mike for his definition of the individual. And he said that despite the differences between us humans, the sensation of being an individual is the one thing that we all hold in common. Next, I asked, when can we discern that the individual needs defending? And he remarked that arguably civilization itself is a mechanism for defending the individual and that it's in the context of civilization that the individual can be effectively defended against threats that him or her is unlikely to be able to withstand alone. Then I asked, how can one train themselves to defend the individual? And we heard that the state can't actually see us as individuals, even if we are inclined to think that it can. So be mindful on a personal level, not to abstract away the individual from the state, as the state is liable to do exactly that, especially in times of war. My penultimate question was, What level of attack do you think the individual can withstand? And Mike said that we really don't know what level of attack the individual can withstand, only that there is a breaking point. And if we believe that there is unearned suffering in the world, then we want to avoid that, no matter how weak or strong the individual may be. And lastly, I asked, what happens if the individual is ultimately defeated? And the answer was everything, every bad thing that you can think of. Well, for Mike's full explanations of how to see deeply, listen closely, reason honestly, speak clearly, act bravely, deny the self and defend the individual, please check out our previous episodes of the Foundationist Manifesto series on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, etc. Or just search for the Infinite Jigsaw podcast in your browser. Today, we are back together to discuss the eighth precept of the manifesto, which is respect tradition and i'll be asking a similar set of questions mike welcome back to the podcast thank you brother it's good to be back good to talk to you mate always 
Okay, Mike, first question. What defines tradition? I think for this one, I'm going to fall back on one of my uh, longtime favorites who I'm always talking about, always quoting in some context or other, G.K. Chesterton. And this is from his book, Orthodoxy. He's talking about tradition. And he says, it is obvious that tradition is only democracy extended through time. It is trusting to a consensus of common human voices rather than to some isolated or arbitrary record. Tradition means giving votes to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. Tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. All Democrats object to men being disqualified by the accident of birth. Tradition objects to their being disqualified by the accident of death. Democracy tells us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our groom. Tradition asks us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our father. He's got away with words, that gentleman. <laughs> yes, he does. Have you got anything to add to Mr. Chesterton? Yes. Uh, well, first of all, you know, we're in the middle of something that has been characterized as a culture war. I think you and I agree that it is that. It's not only that, but that certainly is a dimension of it. And culture is typically defined as a, kind of a set of habits shared by a set of people. Is culture, are culture and tradition necessarily the same thing? I'm not sure they are. I mean, I would say that tradition in the context of a society is, it is usually widespread, but it's more than just habit. It's usually bound up with story and or ritual. And there's a sense in which tradition is part of the moral substructure of a society. And depending on how old it is and how deep it is, a tradition can be like an assumption that you hold so deeply that you don't know that you're holding it. So I think part of what makes this question an interesting one and maybe a difficult one is how do you recognize tradition when you see it, right? These definitions we're talking, what is tradition? What is this thing that I'm looking at? This, this, uh, this aspect of society, this aspect of human behavior in our civilization. Is that a tradition or just a practice? Well, you know, in gardening, for example, sometimes you can find out if you have some weed or some or some plant that looks like it's not uh, that you didn't plant it there in, in the garden. Sometimes you can get a sense of how deep its roots go by pulling on it. Hmm. And so I think sometimes that happens, too, as we try to make sense of the world, make sense of each other as society evolves, because, of course, our society, our civilization is kind of it's like this house that's always being built and always falling down. It's like a garden that's always growing and always dying off. Uh, sometimes we can realize that we've stumbled on something that we thought was just a, a habit or, or just a, a kind of mundane practice. And it turns out to be this deep tradition because it turns out to have deep roots. When you pull on it, you feel this resistance. And I think I think many of us have had that experience where you pull on something and you get resistance from from other people. Right? And you realize, oh, this is a 
this thing that I thought was just an implementation detail is actually really important to people. Maybe it's tradition. Now, of course, not everything that is important to people is tradition, but that's one of the ways that maybe we can we can investigate that. Yeah, I think that's such a good analogy, the gardening slash roots analogy. It's a good way to make sense of tradition and how easily it can be dug out, dug up and discarded. But having said that, do you think there are, in fact, bad and unhelpful traditions? And if so, how could we do away with them? I would say there can be bad or unhelpful traditions. Some traditions are downright evil. Mm. Centuries ago, Rome went to war with Carthage. These were called the Punic Wars, I believe. And the Carthaginians were pretty advanced people. I mean, they had a market economy. They plied the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, so they they participated in the commerce of that area uh, and of that age. They were pretty sophisticated people, but they also worshipped a god named Moloch. And Moloch would only be satisfied with uh, human sacrifice, particularly the sacrifice of infants. So the Carthaginians would sacrifice their babies by bringing them to the temple of Moloch and throwing them in the fire. Now, that was a religious tradition, and that's obviously the worst possible kind of tradition. I mean, that, that, that is, you can say that is evil. Now, how do we recognize that a tradition is evil? I mean, we know that that is evil, but we know that in the context of being the denizens of this civilization, right, this Christian descended civilization. And for that matter, even the Romans knew that was evil. How did they know that? How did they know that was bad? I don't know. I don't know how they knew. I can say that as far as I'm concerned, a bad tradition is one that violates the fundamental axioms of your own belief system. And you might wonder, well, if if it violates a society's core beliefs, how did it come to be a tradition in the first place? Well, that that does happen. I think in, in the same way that people end up cutting corners right in their daily practice in their work lives they cut corners sometimes because they're pressed for time they cut corners because it's convenient (laughs) or it's not convenient to do things the the proper way they cut corners because they think they can get a momentary advantage or a temporary advantage over conditions or over someone else or over a competitor so on and so forth so in the same way that people Knowing that this or that is the correct procedure, the correct practice to do something in the same way that people can cut corners sometimes and end up doing very bad things, for example, very unsafe things. uh, It is possible, I think, for societies, for civilizations to get into a habit of cutting corners, cutting moral corners, if you will, and adopting traditions that are fundamentally bad, that are evil, that violate their own core precepts. I'm always talking about the, the, the sacred human ideal as a fixed moral aim point. Human beings are sacred in themselves. They are sacred as such, and therefore they must not be interfered with 
in certain ways. It is bad and wrong and evil to, to inflict a gratuitous suffering on human beings. That's a fundamental aim point as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And so uh, one way I can judge a tradition is, does it violate that axiom? And given a certain traditional practice, it's fair to ask, well, why is this practice necessary? There aren't, I don't think, as many hard and fast answers as we would like. There are some. Sometimes you know something is evil and has to stop. Uh, other times it's not that simple. But let me pull back one second, because remember, the, this precept of foundationism that we're talking about does not say adhere to tradition. Hmm. It says respect tradition. It doesn't say uphold tradition. And when I was putting this manifesto together, I was thinking about this a lot. And I, and I refrained from saying uphold tradition or support tradition. Or I refrained from saying that for a reason, because sometimes a tradition must be done away with. But what I was trying to get across with this particular point in the manifesto is that you have to respect not a particular tradition, but tradition as such. You must understand what it is and what it is for, that it's a structural element that in many cases holds up things, supports things in your civilization, in your society that you might not even be aware of in ways that you might not even be aware of. And looking through my notes, I'm seeing another quote that I uh, took down on tradition. This is from the author Donald Kingsbury. And what he says is tradition is a set of solutions for which we have forgotten the problems. Throw away the solution and you get the problem back. Mm -hmm. So that's the point, right, is that if our civilization is a house which is always falling down and always being renovated and always being built, right, then it is also true that sometimes we need to do demolition. We need to clear away something and, and build something new in its place. And when you're doing that in a house, in a dwelling, that must be continuous. That must shelter you from the elements even as you're updating it. Okay. You have to be careful when you knock down walls. What is this wall? What is it supporting? Is it a bearing wall? Does it have plumbing risers in it? Does it have electrical wiring in it? Will, will the ceiling fall on my head if I take down this wall? You have to, well, you have to be careful. And that's what I mean by respect. It's like you have to treat the thing with the respect it deserves. You have to respect it as if you are playing a potentially very dangerous game, because you are. Mm. And when you go about altering tradition, for example, or attempting to alter tradition or, for, or attempting to do away with the tradition, you have to treat that with the respect it deserves. This must not be done callously. Um, it has to be done with an understanding that you are you are making structural alterations. You're making alterations in the deep structure of the building that we inhabit and that shelters us. And very bad things can happen if we get it wrong. Yeah, you're 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 right to identify that we need to take great care when 
digging up these traditions and inspecting them and deciding whether or not we need to do away with them. But there is also the difficulty that traditions are often used within cultures as an excuse for bad behaviour. Correct. Uh, and even when that's demonstrably evil behaviour, but not only by the practitioners, but also those who, for their own ideological reasons, end up defending bad traditions Correct. outside of those cultures. So that leads on very well to the next question. If, if you could sort of point people with those inclinations that are defending perhaps traditions that have demonstrably bad outcomes, how do they and how do we discern good traditions from bad traditions? That's another great question. And before I tackle that one, I know mm-hmm. your last one was a two-part question. We talked about are there bad, un- unhelpful traditions, and then it, how do we do away with them? Well, doing away with traditions can be very simple, not necessarily easy, but simple. If you can convince enough people to stop, they will. And the, the hard part can be actually convincing people. Now, that's one way of doing away with traditions. If you like, that's the soft way of doing away with traditions. You, you, you convince people to stop or to do something else. And that can happen in as little as a generation or two. But in general, we think of that as being a, a longer process. Now, it's also the case that you can do it with traditions by force, as it were. Mm. And we've seen that, too, in, in, the, in the 20th century, in the 19th century. We've seen modern heads of state, modernizing heads of state decide by fiat that this thing is part of the past and we don't want any part of this anymore and we're going to now that tradition is null and void that's another way to do away with tradition that can be trickier because what that can often do is drive traditions underground it can alienate the state from the people and very often it's a it's a prelude to other kind of intrusions into private life into social life by the state and in my view the state is supposed to to the extent possible stay out of private life and stick to guarding the edges of the society so that people from outside the state can't come and interfere with private life but the private life and social life and civic life is the business of citizens uh, so i i don't i don't like that so much even though of course sometimes it is necessary again th- there this is this is difficult stuff we're talking about here these things are not necessarily amenable to formulas and that's why i come back to respect for tradition how do i know when someone puts themselves forward as someone who is standing up for good because they are trying to do away with bad traditions one way you can know they're serious is that they are not against tradition as such. They bring to it an understanding of and a respect for tradition as a structural element of society. And the case they're making is this particular practice is bad. The reason I think that the enemy we face now in the soft war is so dangerous is because this enemy objects to tradition as such. And what they seek to do is to eradicate human beings, not to wipe us out, but in the classical sense of, you know, digging up the roots, doing away with the roots of human beings. 
Why? Because, well, you know, as with plants, human beings with no roots or shallow roots are easy to push around. So now on to this question. How do we discern good traditions from bad? Yeah. Again, I'd be I'd be lying if I said I had a formula for that either. I think this is one of those things where ironically, the question is easier when you are talking about a society that has a religion doesn't have to be an established religion doesn't have to be something that comes from the state but in in the context of religion you see what you have are values in a prescribed relationship to each other you have a hierarchy you have a structure that allows you to reason morally and tradition is something that can speak to that can relate to that but is separate from that And so the difficult task of discerning good traditions from bad can be aided by this value structure that you have, by this religion. You can refer back to your religion and you can say, well, wait a minute. If we reason honestly based on this hierarchy of values and based on these fixed moral aim points, then we have to. We have to reject this tradition that this is not compatible with our religion. Mm-hmm. And that process that I just described is much more difficult or maybe even impossible when you do the kind of thing that we've gotten into the bad habit of doing over the past few decades, which is lump everything into traditional values, religion, you know, actual tradition, right? It's all tradition. No, no, no. Religion is something different. And this is why it is a primary structure in the same sense that it it is religion. It is having a religion, having some hierarchy of values to which you can refer and which allows you to reason. It's having that which can tell you, for example, if a law is unjust, the law can't tell you if, if a law is unjust. Obviously, where does the moral imperative to obey a just law come from and where does the discernment come from to disobey an unjust law that has to come from outside the law it has to come from your religion and i think tradition is the same thing you could argue that laws are just traditions that are written down and enforced by the state right but it's the same thing so i would say Going back to the question, how do we discern good traditions from bad? Well, it's difficult. But if you don't have a religion, I would say it's almost impossible to do well. Mm. You have to be able to reason about morals from a standpoint, from a perspective outside of tradition and outside of law. And that is it it seems to me that that is necessarily a religious perspective. Hmm. We talk about Western civilization being a Christian descended civilization, which obviously it is. And as an American, one uh, family of traditions that we had to do away with and we did away with with great difficulty was chattel slavery now of course chattel slavery wasn't an a uniquely american thing 
slavery has been part of a human tradition in human societies basically forever. Okay. And it hasn't particularly been limited to any one ethnic group. Uh, the word slave comes from the word Slav. So this is something that human beings have done for a very long time. Now, what is interesting, speaking of religion, what is interesting about Christianity and slavery is that according to what we can see in, in the Christian Gospels, Christ did not explicitly prohibit slavery. In the Gospels, Christ does not issue any specific injunctions against slavery. But what he did do was put forth a moral structure, an apparatus for moral reasoning that once you started to use that, once you, you know, turn that thing on and lit it up and started to use it, you would see that slavery was simply incompatible with it. And it's just interesting to me that Christendom has, by and large, done away with chattel slavery in contrast to other parts of the world that are animated by different religious systems, which have not done away with chattel slavery. And I think that that, that just goes to the importance of having that moral structure, that uh, that apparatus for moral reasoning, which is what a religion ultimately is that sits yeah. apart from and outside your social structures of tradition and habit and so on. Yeah, and that's a very important distinction to make, especially in secular societies like we now live in in the West, really. I mean, when, when you said tradition is a structural element to society, that really sets up the next question and the, and the final question, because Tradition is a structural element to society and governments and those who seek power know that very well. And they work to either bolster the ones that further their agenda and or belittle the ones that don't, you know, enter political correctness and what speech is allowed and not allowed. But even though these power groups understand tradition, they seem to interpret traditions as expendable cultural items that can be kind of readily supplanted with whatever the nudge unit or behavioral scientists wish to push. So this does beg the last question, which is what does the loss of tradition do to a society? The loss of tradition can do almost anything to a society right up to and including kill that society dead. It depends on what traditions we're talking about. Again, going back to the building analogy, what does the loss of a structural member do to a building? Hmm. (laughs) It depends on how the building is designed in the first place. It depends on what other damage the building has sustained over time and whether or not that damage has been repaired or has been allowed to worsen. Right. And then it depends on which (laughs) structural member you take out. And you can see right away that all that might happen is you might put some more stress on other structural members in the building or the whole thing might come crashing down. It depends, which is why we come back to the notion of respect for tradition, not necessarily liking for tradition, not necessarily adherence to tradition, but just respect for it in in, in the same sense that that, you know, the, the, the guy on the bomb squad right, respects 
what uh, what he's doing. In fact, I have a friend whose brother was in the United States Navy. He was part of the bomb squad. They call that EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. And he told her about a guy who had come into their unit and the leaders of that unit ended up having to send that guy back. They said, you know, we can't use you in this unit. And the reason they gave when they talked about it internally was that this guy does not, he doesn't, he doesn't have enough respect for what we do here. In other words, he was kind of a hot dog. He was kind of a, you know, fast and loose type of guy. Right. And their response was, no, you, you, you have to, you don't understand what <laughs> You know, we're playing lethal chess with the worst human beings in the world, you know, and, and all we have to do is, is make one wrong move. And so you have to respect what it is that we're doing. here. You have to you have to come to it with a kind of a seriousness. You know, you have to be deadly serious because it is deadly. And the same is true of tradition. When you're playing with these things, you're playing with matters of life and death. You are playing with the structure that has to shelter us all. And that structure has to strike a balance between adaptability because of course conditions change and continuity because you can't take the roof off and slap a new one on when it's ready to go it's not going to work the structure must shelter you as it is updated and a wrong move can mean that you lose a great deal or that you lose everything so what does the loss of tradition do to society well anything uh, we talked a while ago about memory. Uh, Alzheimer's disease is a particularly terrible affliction because it points out to us in a particularly terrible way that human beings are almost completely made of memory. And we don't think of ourselves as being creatures of memory, as memory being the substance of our mind, because we, we live in this you know, we're surfing this kind of continuously breaking wave of the present. And we think of remembering specific things like, you know, you have to remember. But even when we think about remembering things, it's almost like we're remembering forward. Remember that you have to do this next week. But what happens to people when they get Alzheimer's is a reminder that we're made of memory. And when that goes, there's a sense in which we lose almost everything. And it kills us. And so the same thing is true of society. In fact, you can argue that civilization as such is a memory engine. It is the thing that allows human memory to persist and to live in the world beyond human lifetimes. And tradition, properly understood, is an aid to that. It is part of that. And because human beings are complicated and messy creatures and because we contain good and evil in us, evil can creep into our traditions. You know, we can originate evil traditions. We can start with a good tradition and evil can creep into it. That's the nature of human things. The answer to that is not to simply say that tradition is bad or we can just do without it or what have you. The solution to that is to approach the matter with respect and with a set of values that we can use, a set of fixed stars that we can use to navigate and to try to make ourselves better as human beings and as and as civilized creatures. Yeah. To think of our 
ancestors and and their memories which went to make up their actions and their behaviours as fixed stars and then to take great care in how you look at tradition in your culture and other culture and keep in mind to respect the memories of our ancestors uh, and despite recent trends to suggest otherwise our ancestors weren't all bad in fact quite the opposite they were largely all good and the traditions that they've left behind we need to pay the utmost respect well thanks again mike for joining me on the infinite jigsaw podcast that is the eighth piece of the foundationist puzzle explained and put into place and um, where can we find more about foundationism online you can go to www.futurerad.io if you'd like to be on our mailing list uh, just go to the contact page drop us a line uh, we have a monthly publication a magazine called cornerstone and uh, we're going to start uh, sending issues out automatically to everyone on our mailing list uh, we have a few back issues we're i think three or four issues in at this point and cornerstone is our way of getting our point across in a format that is censorship proof with respect to social media and lets us stretch out and explore ideas in writing in a way that you don't always get to on social media and it's distributed as a pdf so it's an actual file you can download it and share it with your friends and, and make copies of it and uh, it's not a website that can be taken down so www.futurerad.io drop us a line to get on the mailing list and look out uh for links to cornerstone magazine yeah um you're lucky enough to have attracted some really talented writers to cornerstone oh, yeah. it's going from oh, strength yeah. to strength it's a really uh, impressive project well in the next installment of the foundationist manifesto mike and i will come together again to explore the ninth precept of foundationism and that is face the present cover mike until next time thank you very much again thank you brother take care cheers mate Ta-ra. Mm-hmm.